0: Let's try that again. Can we say amen? amen. Certainly want to bless the Lord, O oh, my soul. And all that is within me. Want to bless and I want to praise his holy name. Happy Sabbath, Glenville. certainly a privilege and uh, a pleasure to to be with you. I bring you greetings from the conference headquarters in Columbus, 1339 East Broad. Our executive secretary, Robert Moore. Amen. And our treasurer, Sister Zenobia Seawood. All of the departmental Individuals and 34 pastors from across this great territory of ours. Certainly want to publicly acknowledge um, Dr. Violet Cox. She is a member of our conference executive committee. Amen. Some of you may be wondering if we are brother and sister, and we are. Amen. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, amen. I want to just publicly thank her and acknowledge the contribution that she is making to our executive committee. I I want to acknowledge Pastor Coulson. young man that's on fire for the Lord our conference is in good hands amen we have young preachers of righteousness I uh, was listening to him pray earlier this morning and then again for this service and I said man that boy can pray (laughs) hallelujah we we appreciate you, young man, and we are thankful for the service that you're rendering. Um certainly want to thank the Glenville Church as a whole for, um, we, we started a rather ambitious program. We called it Conference Development. You see, for the last 15 years, um, we've been limited in what we've been able to do from an evangelistic perspective. I actually had a chance. You know, when you sit in the chair, you get a chance to see stuff you don't normally see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Notice that for the last 15 years, that we had not put, as a conference, any money into evangelism. Hallelujah. When Elder Freddie Russell became president, he went around and 2009 raised almost $400,000 in evangelism. And we had one of the largest tithe increase and we had one of the largest uh, evangelistic uh, reaping years that we've had in a long time. But in 2010, we went down from 400,000 to 120. In 2011, we went from 120 to 80. In 2012, we went from 80 to 30. How many know that we're going in the wrong direction? (laughs) Amen. And so God laid on our heart a a plan that would enable all of the churches in the Allegheny West Conference to benefit from evangelism and growth and assistance when churches needed to purchase new homes, remodel, or build. So we divided it up into two halves. The first half would go for evangelism. And I want to personally thank Glenville for leading out in reaching its goal. Let's give yourselves a hand clap, everybody. Glenville, through your pastor, sent in $12,500. Now the blessing is, we're going to send you back over 25000 yeah. Amen. Yeah. Because of the kind of programming that you're putting on, um, I was here during your family, the 40 days of family. That was a powerful uh, stretch. And now I've come in, I want to be possessed. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And and so you have that which it takes to claim this city for God. Can somebody say amen? amen. And so we want to thank you for your support uh, of the conference development uh, program. And then, of course, uh, the second half of the conference development program, um, means that we are gathering a pool of funds so that when churches around our conference need help we are able to assist them Come, someone, somebody ought to say amen and so again we want to thank you Glenville and then finally I want to say a word about your pastor Lord have mercy I, I look at him and I just shake my head He's like a bush that's on fire but's not being consumed. Amen. Powerful, powerful preacher of the word of God. I, I'm going to tell you a little secret. It was, it's kind of funny. Um, I called him. Um, this was about three years ago, two years ago. I called him and I said, Listen, Doc. Um, I said, you're doing this 40 years of prayer and you didn't put out a, a manual in terms of how to do it. I want to do it at ET. Uh, can you send it to me? I'm going to give you credit for it. And he said, man, you don't have to do that. Oh, yeah. I said, yeah, man, I'm going to do that. He said, no. He says, I took your mind to Christ stuff and I na- never gave you credit for it. <laughs> I said, well, Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, He is a powerful man of God. Of all of the blessings, of all of the blessings that occur within the Adventist church, there is one element that is lacking. Uh Uh-oh. And that is we have difficulty showing appreciation to leadership. The best pastor we ever had was the one that just left or just died. Amen. And you don't recognize the benefit that you have of having a pastor that loves you, that has you on his heart and is keeping you on the consciousness of God. And so I just want to lead the congregation in just giving your pastor a hand clap here. Well, you need to know that others are after him, amen, amen. You, you want to make sure your man of God is so happy that when others make offers, they are gracious and say, thank you, but no thanks, amen, amen. I want to, just before I open the word, I just want to say a special word to the new members of our family, those that were just baptized. Let's give them a hand clap, everybody. you to know that you are loved and that you are special to us. And by the grace of God, you you have made the greatest decision of your life. The Glenville Church family will be there with you as you take this process, this journey to the kingdom. Now, I'm going to go ahead on and, and open the word. Now, would you stand with me as we Open God's word. You're turning with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. And I'm only going to read uh, two verses, three verses, five verses, five through seven. 2 Corinthians chapter four, verses five through seven there the apostle paul pens under the inspiration of the holy spirit these words for we preach not ourselves but Christ jesus the lord and ourselves your servants for jesus sake for god who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthened vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not ourselves. We have this treasure in earthened Vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us, loving Father, not by our might nor by our power, but by thy divine spirit. We ask that you would do that which only you can do. Take the written word and transform it into the living, breathing, spoken word. We will be very careful to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' precious name, we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. Earthened. Vessels. There is a barrage of statistical information that is gathered from many sources to address a multiplicity of questions around this globe. Those statistics are inclusive of growth and habit patterns within and outside of the United States. The majority of the growth that is taking place within the Seventh-day Adventist Church, even as I speak, occurs outside of America, there is a lowering of the numbers of individuals within these United States, according to the Bonner Report, of at least ten percent of former Christians who no longer consider themselves to be followers of Jesus Christ. 20% of the population in the U.S. has now declared that they no longer belong to any type of religious organization. The statistical information goes on to say that 30% of men and women, I didn't say men and men, and I didn't say women and women, but I said men and women who get married today are opting not to have a Christian ceremony. They simply say, what difference does it make when the divorce rate in the church is equal to the divorce rate in the world? Y'all going to talk to me? Mm -hmm. Better than one in four individuals in these United States have declared they don't anticipate having a religious funeral. What difference does it make If they didn't go to church while they were alive, what benefit would it be to come to church when you're dead? Mm, mm, mm. Religion has become an ugly word. The numbers are, are not looking good, and I wish that I could tell you that that only occurs within. Other religious groups. If the truth be told, it's also happening in the Adventist church. Mm-hmm. We're no longer baptizing the unchurched because we don't believe what we preach. Hmm. We are losing young people to the values and we, we are losing our young people to the values and Bible principles that literally made us the remnant. Standards are being changed right before our very eyes. And if the truth be told, Many individuals that still go through the ritual of coming to church are not happy. They're not excited about what's going on in church. And you say, well, how can you tell? Well, they're not at cyber school. How can you tell? They're not at prayer service. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. How how can you tell? They're not out actively giving Bible studies or witnessing to other individuals. And it's because they have missed out on one simple fact, and that is uh, nobody wants what you have if what you have is not working for you. Hmm. People are having trouble dealing with their past and then they come to church and church folks won't allow them to forget their past. Some of us have better memories than God. Still bringing up stuff that folks did 10 years and 20 years and... Thirty years uh, 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 ago, we have an expectation of others uh, that we don't even place on ourselves. We expect others to be perfect and we know ourselves that we are not perfect. The only difference between them and us uh, is their stuff is public and ours is private. Y'all going to talk to me today? I I I read the story. I read the story of uh, this young man who had become very frustrated with religion and and decided that uh, he was going to set as many people free from the burden of religion as he could and and so he began to tell individuals listen stop uh, looking for some pie in the sky or believe that somehow God is going to fix it God is inside of you you're the one that makes a difference in your life if you want to have a better life go to school study uh, 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 spend time in your studies so that you can get a good education and, uh, and, and find a good job and, and then just let life flow finally got to a point where he he, he started uh, talking about the, the idea of Sister Davis I didn't see you back there bless your heart if I had seen you back Sister Davis is a member of our executive committee also if I had seen you back there I would have waved at you amen yes indeed It's amazing how the mind works. It clicked just like that, you know? Uh uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, now listen, listen, listen. And so the young man finally decided, he said, you know what, I'm going to, to give the coup de grace now. This is the end of the story. He decided that he was going to start telling people that if God ever existed, he's dead now. And he literally gathered a rather large group of people that was listening to uh, his rhetoric, rhetoric. And there was an old lady that uh, was walking by, and she saw the crowd, so she stopped to listen. And boy, he was on it now. He was saying, listen, let me tell you something. I'm going to prove it to you for once and for all. There is no God. So he looks up into the sky, and he says, God, if you're up there, I give you permission to strike me yeah. Prove to everybody that uh, you are up there. Just do it and do it now. Pulls out a stopwatch, started the stopwatch. 10 seconds went by, 20 seconds went by, 30, 40, 50, 60. Ha, ha, ha. Look at that. I'm still alive. Man. There's no God. And the old lady started laughing as she walked away. Boy said, Lady, what you laughing at? He, she said, I'm laughing at you thinking that you can wear out the patience of God in 60 seconds. God is much more patient with us, come on now, than we are with ourselves. God treats us better than we we treat ourselves. And not only that, uh, when we don't understand how faithful and how patient and how loving God is, uh, we don't have any joy. Why is it that folks of other religious persuasions seem to be happier than we are? i come to fight. Why is it that there seems to be more joy in other places than here? I was Stopping at a service station to get some gas, and there was a young lady that was putting gas in her car, and she was mumbling to herself, and I couldn't catch what she was saying. So the nosy me said, "Excuse me, you talking to me?" And she said, "No, but I tell you what I was saying." I said, "Well, what were you saying?" She said, I was saying he's been my gas. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, well, Monday I, I got in my car to drive to work and my gas tank was on empty. And I said, Lord, if you could just get me to work, I'd be thankful and I, I made it to work. Well, Monday evening, I I came out of my job and my gas tank was still on empty. And I said, Lord, if you would just get me home, I'd be appreciative. Tuesday morning, same thing. Wednesday morning, same thing. Thursday morning, same thing got up this morning, my gas tank was still on empty, and I said, Lord, if you just get me to work today. Well, he got me to work and I got paid and I cashed my check, but all week long, he's been my guy. Woo! What I'm talking about is that God is worthy of our praise. You don't believe me. Just go to Psalms 146. It begins with praise ye the Lord. And it ends with praise ye the Lord. Psalms 147 begins with Praise ye the Lord, and it ends with praise ye the Lord. Psalms 148 begins with praise ye the Lord, and it ends with praise ye the Lord. Psalms 149 begins with praise ye the Lord, and it ends with. Praise ye the Lord. Psalms 150 begins with, Praise ye the Lord. And it ends with, Let everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. Woo! Woo! God inhabits praise. Servant of the Lord says that if you're having trouble getting your prayers answered, mix a little praise with your request, it'll draw God closer to you. Hallelujah! But many of us just don't have any joy, we're not happy. We're burdened down by the cares of this life. We have life, but we don't have it more abundantly. We have oil in our food, but we don't have the oil of joy. We wear nice clothes, but we don't have the garment of, of praise. And if you ever let loose in church, then folk look at you like you're funny. Too many of us have the wrong kind of heroes. We're going to the television setting, sports folks, to get our heroes. Listen, you sitting next to a hero. If folks knew what you have gone through and how you're still clothed in your right mind, they'd call you a hero instead of you looking at them funny you'd be on your feet uh, clapping and waving your hands and thanking the lord for how he has uh, brought them through if you can't get happy any place else uh, you ought to be able to get happy uh, in church why because what God has done for you. Woo! And if the truth be told, I said if the truth be told, as good as God has been, God wants to be more than that. what limits the blessings in our lives is our unwillingness to trust God I told the earlier group you don't know how good God is until you get to the edge see we don't know when to shout see when somebody lie on you You ought to start praising the Lord because you know God is going to fight your battles. Come on now. See, when you lose your job, you ought to start praising the Lord because David said he once was young, but now he's old, but never has he seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. We don't recognize the blessings that God places in our life. That's why young folks are so prone to discouragement. Old folks had something they held on to. Remember the way the old folks used to pray? Lord, once more and again, I thy humble servant come before your knee bent and Body bound, thanking you that my bed was not my cooling board, neither my sheet, my winding cloth. Old folks used to say, hey, he woke me up this morning and he started me on my way. Hey, he clothed me in my right mind. That's a recognition of the blessings that God gives us every day that we have a tendency to take for granted. It is the seed of our praise. In math, there's a statement that says that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Well, let me tell you, the shortest distance between you getting the desires of your heart is simply doing what God says do. When you do what God has asked you to do, He will make Himself personally responsible for your success. Hallelujah. We teach it, we preach it, but we don't believe it. Servant of the Lord says that what we ought to be teaching in these last days is present truth. Present truth is righteousness by faith. It is the truth that God loves you more than you could ever imagine. And that salvation is easier than you thought We make it sound very difficult, but the truth of the matter is that the process of salvation is a three-prone process, and we call it justification, sanctification, glorification. Justification and glorification are instantaneous actions. It's not something that you have to wait on. It is instantaneous. So those individuals that's under the sound of my voice, you have come to church today and you're wondering whether or not salvation can be yours. I'm glad you came because here is the secret. First of all, listen to me. Justification, definition. Justification is the process of God crediting me with righteousness before I start doing what is right, <laughs> justification is the process of God crediting me with righteousness before I start doing what is right. Justification is the process of God crediting me with righteousness before I start doing what is right. You see, the good news is, this is the good news. God wants you to know that he loves you so much that your past is not a deterrent to, to your salvation. Any habit that you walked into the church with this morning is not a deterrent to you believing out of here saved. Uh-huh. You got some wrong telephone numbers in yourself. Come on now, uh-huh. Not a deterrent. You got a habit, you got an addiction, you got a problem. That's not a deterrent to you being saved because justification is the process of, of God crediting me with righteousness before I start doing what is right. Somebody ought to be shouting right now. That just simply says that God says, I don't care about your past, I don't care about your present. All I care about is you. And I'm willing to do anything and everything to make it right in order that you can be with me. I'm willing to justify you. So, well, how do you get justified? Well, first of all, you got to recognize that you got a problem that you can't handle. Number two, you've got to make a confession of faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. What does it mean to believe? I've got to believe that he is who he says he is. I've got to believe that he can do what he says he can do. And I've got to believe that he's in the process of doing it even before I see the evidence. I say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. He knocks on the door of my heart. He steps in, and I am immediately, somebody say immediately, justified. How quick does it happen? Nope, faster than that. Nope, faster than that. Uh huh. Immediately, he steps into my life. And I am credited with righteousness before I start doing what is right. Oh, I hear you, Pharisees out there. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. You're saying, wait a minute, God is not gonna dwell in an unclean temple. Well, that's true, but what makes you a Pharisee is that you don't think, finish the statement. God will not dwell in an unclean temple and leave the temple unclean. If, listen to me, listen, listen, listen. If you could get right before he came, there would be no need to come. That's why I come Just the way I am. I'm a drunkard? Come. I'm a liar? Come. I'm a thief? Come. I'm a prostitute? Come. I'm homosexual? Come. Come just the way you are. I'm gonna tell you about sanctification in a second, because that's where your issue. Let me just tell you about glorification. Glorification is an instantaneous process, also. Just like justification, instantaneous, glorification instantaneous. I don't want you to be ignorant of this one fact. We shall, I'm talking, I'm quoting Paul now, we shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. What's going to happen? This (laughs) mortal shall put on immortality. This corruption shall put on incorruption. Why is glorification important? Because in the salvific process, we continue to serve God in the flesh, Not until Jesus comes are we delivered from the DNA issues of the flesh. The temptations. Listen to me. The temptations. I say the temptations. Oh, y'all don't want to deal with me today, huh? I say the temptation. I had to, I had to, I had to bring my three kids together and say to them, now listen, William, Letitia, and Jamal, listen. Listen, on your daddy's side, my grandpa was an alcoholic, and he produced two sons that were alcoholic. On grandmother's side, her father, her husband, was an alcoholic and he produced two sons that were alcoholics. So when you're hanging out with your friends and somebody says, well, let's try this beer. Or let's try this wine. They take a sip of the beer and say, ooh, this is nasty. And they put it down. I'm trying to tell you something. You take that same sip and it opens up a door of challenge for you for the rest of your life. That's DNA. That's what Paul was talking about when he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this vile body? Oh, I'm trying to tell you something. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so what happens then, so what happens then is not until we get changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, will we lose the power of the temptation. How many know that temptation is not sin? All right, all right. But if you're going to overcome temptation, you're going to have to be willing to suffer, because your body is going to crave for it. But you want to have, you're going to have to see, see y'all. You're going to have to suffer. Can I can I break it down for you? Okay, I said by the the middle of this year, I will have lost fifty pounds. Already lost 12. Hallelujah. Amen. But if I'm going to make it to the 50, I have to be willing to suffer. That means that I stop eating after 6 o'clock. Oh, y'all not listening to me. Uh Uh-huh. But somewhere around seven thirty, eight o'clock, the refrigerator starts calling my name. Come on now. My body is saying, now you, you, you need a fix. See, I have to put this on the veggie side for you guys because y'all don't want to deal with the real stuff. You, know, you need a fix. All right. And so when, when that fix, that craving starts coming my way, if I'm not going to, if I'm going to resist the craving, I'm going to have to be willing to suffer. What happens in the natural also happens in the spiritual. So whatever that temptation is whatever that besetting sin is you need to know that if you're going to overcome it there needs to be a development of a mindset that is willing to suffer for God and that's the way it's going to be until Jesus comes but sanctification sanctification is where our issue really is Definition for sanctification is I'm now becoming what God has already credited me with being. I'm now becoming what God has already credited me with being. He justified me and I had cigarettes in my pocket. But in sanctification, I throw those cigarettes away. He justified me when I'm going to the wrong house. Come on now. But now through sanctification, I go home and I stay home. Come on now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So in sanctification, I am growing. Somebody say, grow me, Lord. Somebody, come on, say, grow me, Lord. And that's where our issue becomes, because the church is, re- is seldom... Patient. With growth. I've got a little grandbaby, Sydney. And Sydney, when she was learning to walk, would pull up on everything and come on to Poppy. And she'd take a step and fall. Now, what would you think of me? If I said to her, when she tried to take the step, she fell, girl, get off the floor. You're never going to be anything. Every time I see you, you're falling. But often that's what we do as a church. We don't value individuals taking little steps. Do you understand what kind of lifestyle changes occur when a person becomes a, a seven-day Adventist and they are, they are exposed to full truth? I could make a home right there. I'm going to just stop. I'm going to let you, like the pastor said a little earlier, there are some things that the Holy Ghost said that the preacher didn't say. I'm going to let the Holy Ghost deal with that one right there. All right. All right. I want to deal with sanctification and, and I'm ending. I'm ending. All right. How does sanctification occurs? Let's look at it quickly. Look at Philippians, the second chapter. Philippians, the second chapter, look at verse 13. I'm trying to hurry. Lord knows I'm trying to hurry, all right? Philippians 2.13, notice what it says. For it is God. You missed it. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. See, you thought you were doing it. You put the pressure on yourself, but the Bible says that it is God that works in us both to will and to do. And what most folks don't understand, we put the cart before the horse. Temptation over sin Is initiated by attitude followed by behavior. What changes first is not my behavior, it's my attitude. It's Paul saying the things I want to do, I find myself not doing. The things that I don't want to do, those are the things I find myself doing. Listen to his attitude. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? His attitude has changed before his behavior kicks in. So there is growth. Listen, listen, listen. There is growth. When I recognize that what I've been doing naturally is wrong. I now become convicted that my behavior is wrong. You see, God can help you when you're at a point when you are saying, I'm going to do what I want to do and you have to accept me just the way I am. you got to learn to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not to your own understanding. You've, You've got to let the word determine your behavior and not allow your behavior to lead to private interpretation of the word. So the first step... And sanctification is the recognition that what I am doing is wrong. That's why God works in you both to will, now to do. Now I understand that it's wrong. Lord, help me to change my behavior. Lord, I don't want to be outside of your will. Give me the searchlight of your word. Give me a hunger for the word. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Lord, thy word have I hid in my heart. That I might not sin against thee. Lord, thy word is a lamp unto, come on, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The process of sanctification begins to take place. Look at Philippians, the first chapter, verse six. Philippians, the first chapter, verse six. Do you see it? Being confident of this very thing, mm, that he which hath begun a good work in me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Somebody say, get started, Lord. Yeah, 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 get started, Lord, because if I can just come to him, just the way I am and he gets started in my life, I now have his word that that which he has started he's going to complete it. What gives me joy? What gives me joy is that I believe that he is who he says he is. What gives me joy is that I believe that he can what he said he can do what gives me joy is that I believe he's in the process of doing it even when I don't see the evidence Lord I believe I believe look at Ephesians the first chapter y'all didn't know you was coming for a bible study huh Ephesians, the first chapter, look at verses 13 and 14. Paul gives it to us in capsule form again. Listen. Ephesians 1, 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye what? Ye heard the word of truth, which was the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after ye what? After ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Why aren't you shouting? Why aren't you shouting? In other words, I heard it. I believed it, I got sealed, and I was given the Holy Spirit as earnest. That's why individuals can be in the wrong place, having a good time, and the Holy Ghost shows up and wrecks your party. Anybody in here, I'm not, anybody in here know that what they're about to do is wrong. But they start going forward for it anyway and right in the middle the Holy Ghost shows up and says, come on now. That's the Holy Ghost, that's the earnest of the Holy Spirit not leaving you alone. He loves you with an everlasting love and says, I will not let you go. One more text, and we go in. Look at Exodus. You don't generally look at this text in terms of sanctification. But look at Exodus, the 23rd chapter beginning with verse 27. All right, here it is. Here is God using the known to help you understand the unknown. Listen, Exodus 23, 27. I will send my fear before thee, and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn thy backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite and the Canaanite and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. By little and little, I will drive them out before thee, until thou be increased and inherit the land. See, you missed it, huh? See, you missed it. Let me, let me, let me, let me read it again. Let me read it again. But this, let me, let me just read it a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come and I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee which shall drive out that lying spirit which will drive out that jealousy that backbiting, that addiction to drugs and to sex and to alcohol. I'm going to drive it out, but it's not going to happen all at once. Little by little, step by step, little but that, that explains how they are individuals that have been in the church a, a long time but still struggling with some issues. See, we, what, what we want what we want is we want perfection in behavior instantaneously, and it doesn't work like that. Oh, see, see, see. Can I tell you, can I tell you that the disciples were given all manner of power to cast out demons, to heal all manner of disease, and they had issues? Judas had the power, he's stealing money. Thomas had the power, he had lack of faith. James and John had the power, but they had political aspirations. Peter had the power, but he still had a temper. Paul had the power, but he was still having issues with forgiveness. And if we could ever take our eyes off of other folk looking at their journey, and keep our eyes on our journey. Come on now. Stop worrying about where other folk are and start worrying about where we are and making sure that we are growing day by day, moment by moment, trying to tell the Lord, well, they just trying to take, take advantage of your grace. You need the grace. Alright, alright, alright. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in right now. I'm in right now. Sanctification. Many of you are aware that I am a a graduate of Oakwood at the time it was college. It's now university. I lived uh, in B11C in Edwards Hall. And um I'm in my room and there is an announcement that comes over the intercom. Cox, you have a visitor in the lobby. And so I get up and I go to the lobby and I'm stunned to see my mother. She's made a surprise visit to check on me. It's towards the end of the semester, my money has run out, and so I am short of some things that I would normally take great pride in, such as washing my dirty clothes. Didn't have any money. Now the unmentionables, I use dial soap. But I got shirts and pants, socks, and there is an odor that has developed in the room because of all of the dirty clothes that have been accumulated that has not been washed. I've not also been faithful in sweeping the rug. So there's clear debris all over the floor. The night before, I had missed the calf. But a friend of mine went out and got some food and it wasn't what I enjoyed. I ate a little bit of it, but the remnants of it was on my desk. My room is a mess. My mother makes a surprise visit, and she says, boy, I want to see your room. And I say, mom, you don't want to see my room. She says, boy, I want to see your room. The embarrassment is growing in me now as we make our way back to the room. As I'm opening the door, I'm apologizing. Mom, um, I, this is not the way. Mom, I'm, I'm sorry. And the odor on the inside comes rushing to the outside, and I am totally embarrassed. And mom steps into the room. She looks at me and she says, boy, I didn't raise you like this. She's talking to me, but that's not all mama is doing. Mama has now picked up a pillowcase and she's going around the room and she's stuffing my dirty clothes in the pillowcase. Mama is talking to me, but she's not standing still. She's gotten the broom now, and she is sweeping uh, the rug that is dirty. Mama is talking to me, but uh, she's not just talking. She's gone over to my desk, and I got that food that was half-eaten and putting it in the trash can. And the next thing I know, I got a command from Mama. Mama said, come on, let's go uh, to the wash we go to the wash, and we we go to the washing machine. I don't have any Tide, but Mama does. I don't have any Clorox, but Mama does. I don't have any uh, uh, any fabric softener, but Mama does. I don't have the money to... Put into the machine to make the machine work, but Mama does, and now the clothes are in the washer, the detergent in the washer, the bleach in the washer, the fabric softener in the washer, washer, and the money is in the machine, and the machine is working. Mama and, her and I are just uh, talking. The machine stops. We get the clothes uh, out of the washer and go over to the dryer and put the clothes uh, in the dryer. I don't have any money to make the dryer run, but Mama does. And she puts the money in the dryer. Now the clothes are beginning to dry. The clothes come out of the washer and Mama tells me uh, Come on son, let's iron your shirts right now and we stand there talking while mama is ironing my shirt and we fold the clothes up and we get all the way back to the room. The room is clean now. You think I'm talking about my room, B11C at Oakwood College? No, I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about what God will do. You don't have the power to clean yourself up by yourself, but there is blood, blood, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Woo! 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 What I've got to do is believe that God is who He says He is. What I've got to do is believe that He can do what He says He can do. I've got to believe that He's in the process of doing it even when I don't see the evidence. I've got to believe that he that hath begun a good work in me is going to complete it. I've got to believe that the race is not given to the swift nor to the strong but to him that endures until the end. The same shall be saved. I've got to believe I can i said i can do all things through christ which strengthens me i've gotta believe that no weapon formed against me is gonna prosper i've gotta believe that they that wait upon the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hence, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining day by day, still praying as I'm homeward bound. Lord plant my feet on higher you ground. Ladies and gentlemen, you can do it. You can do it. Your situation is not beyond the ability of God. Somebody may say, I'm a great sinner. Let me tell you, where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Pass me now, O gentle Savior. Wow, every head is bowed.